Hey, again, thanks for being with us. You know, Hector, when I was a kid, uh, our family knew a girl. Her name was Chelsea Sabo, right? And she lived you know, on the other side of Atlanta. So when we were a kid and we would sing, uh, you know, in Excelsis, we always said, in a Chelsea Sabo. And that's how my girls learn that. So like, they'll come to the three o'clock service today and it's like all the college girls are home, you know, all the married girls are hanging out. And I promise you, that row over there is gonna sing, in a Chelsea Sabo. I just wanted to share that with y'all. Um, hey, when you leave today, we have a little gift for you and it's this uh, really cool, uh, the kind of, cross we use inside of our logo, but it's a, it's a cool gift, and they're free to you. Just step, when you go out the, the right, turn, let me try it again. When you go out the back doors, turn left, and you'll see our store there, and their gift, just hope you get them. Wow, y'all are up here in like the splash zone, aren't you? Man, <laughs> holy cow. When you come in late around here, man, you just totally get the bad end of this deal, because like you're in spitting distance of the preacher. I'll, uh, I'll pull it back a little bit just for y'all, because I'm a little worried about you, man. It's like right there, you know, hang in there with me. You gonna, oh, good. You use your Bible to hide my spit from you. That's awesome, bro. Yeah. Welcome home, Sugar Hill Church. Yeah. We are so grateful that you are here. Uh, I really want to encourage you. The, uh, the first Sunday in January, uh, I want to ask you if you and your family would consider part of your goals for the new year to make coming to church with some regularity. Uh, and we're, our first Sunday in January, we're starting this short series entitled Power Routines. And it's, uh, it's kind of like a workout for your spiritual life. And it'll be a little different than any church service you've ever been in. But just come join us. We have 9.30 and 11 o'clock uh, each Sunday. And I'd be so grateful you're here. We have programs for little ones, for preschoolers, elementary, middle, high, college, a little of everything. And so thank you. It means the world that you'd worship with us. Now's the time where we have the privilege of taking up an offering. And I want to ask our ushers if you guys will come on and our team get ready to do this. And folks, kind of at, at the Christmas season, it's like, man, Chuck, do we have to do the money thing? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I mean, there are a lot of you that haven't given Jack this week. So like now it's like, you know, break out a 20 or a hundred or four. And, um, you know, that would be awesome. I know a lot of you gave online. Wow. It's crazy how many people give online. I did that this morning too. Like you go, if you open up the Sugar Hill Church app, we just made it real easy. Hit that first button that says, uh, you know, give, and then, uh, just do that. It's so easy. And a lot of you folks do that through ACH or bill pay or send a check in or go online. Thank you for all that. And if, if you're wondering, well, you know, does the church need the money? Well, not, you know, not really. What, but what the church does do with that is uh, we serve a lot of folks in our community. Uh, we have volunteers on 12 public schools every day of the school year. Um, we have a ministry that happens over in Peachtree Village where we uh, mentor and tutor uh, students so they can graduate high school. In that community, the dropout rate at Lanier High School is close to 80% for those kids. Our desire is to get them into college and find any way we have to to do it. We, um, we had folks this week that were so gracious. We had families come in. We'd already done about 300 families with Christmas. And then this week, we always have kind of a run of folks in desperate need. We had uh, over in Peachtree Village, we had a, a fire in one trailer and it melted the siding on the trailer next to it. Literally, they just had a blue tarp. That was their wall. And um, Pastor Tripp got together with some folks and a family in our community said, you can come live with us. We got a basement complete. Just have yourselves like a complete house. And uh, volunteers got over there and got a Christmas tree for them and gifts for the kids. And man, it's just awesome. And our contractor's gone to work on that, on that home to make it better than ever. And those kind of stories happen over and over 
around here. And so I just want to thank you, uh, Sugar Hill Church. One of the things we say around here a lot is how grateful we are we have the privilege to serve our community. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we're grateful. Uh, this is your house, and I pray we'd come to, uh, to worship you in spirit and truth. I pray we'd be glad in this day. There's so much to be grateful for that you sent Christ for us just out of a, a love that you had for your creation and your kids. So I pray today, Lord, uh, you'd multiply the offering in the basket and the bank for your kingdom and your work, and more people might be served and cared for in your name all through this year. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So while they're passing the baskets and before Hector and the team sing again, uh, one of the things that I think uh, a lot of folks, when they show up and they haven't been around a while, wonder, well, what, what exactly kind of church is Sugar Hill Church? Because we don't, we don't put a lot of tags or denominations or all that stuff in who we are. We, we're a church that really does believe the Bible is a very big deal. That from Genesis to maps at the back, there's a rhyme and a reason, a purpose that God has a message for our life and how we could live. We don't believe it's a book, book of rules. We don't believe it's a rule a book of just don't do's. We really believe it's a, it's a love story written from God, to the thing he loves most, us. But because we believe that, we also believe that Jesus is the single biggest deal in all the universe. When we put him in the right priority in our life, we'll get everything else right. And because of that, we, we believe we're here to serve people in need. And you know, there's no qualification to it. There's no black or white. There's, there's no Asian or Hispanic. There's, there, there's no gay and straight. We, we're here to love people. You know, God came along and he had a pretty cool plan for how we do that. He said that uh, he would be the judge, not us. And his son said that I'll be their savior, not us. And the spirit said, I'll, I'll be their keeper, not us. And that only leaves us one job, and that's to love one another in the name of Christ. So thanks for coming to be a part of our family. And I trust today you'll feel the love of that same Christ. Let's worship.
Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that you, um, though you dwelt among, uh, in heaven, Lord, you were worshiped, you were glorified. Lord, you, you saw fit, Lord, in your plan to come down and uh, to rescue us, your creation. God, and I just pray that as we uh, go through these, uh, the motions of Christmas, Lord, that we don't lose sight of the purpose of Christmas. God, I, um, I just, I pray that perhaps, Lord, if, if somebody has come in here uh, just wanting to do church, Lord, just, uh, just as kind of a checklist, Lord, to uh, coming to church on Christmas, God, I pray uh, that um, though some of us may come for that reason, Lord, we walk out of here differently knowing that we have come face to face with a living God that has pursued us from the beginning of our lives. God, let us not sing um, uh, these Christmas songs and just kind of go through uh, the words, but let us think about these words and what they're saying. Christ the Savior, the Savior is born. And we are grateful this morning, Lord. Go before Pastor Chuck and, and say the words that you want to say this morning. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a seat. Thanks again for being here. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Chuck, and they allow me the privilege of being a pastor here. And uh, this is really a pretty cool church. If you don't have a church home, I just encourage you, give us a shot. And uh, there's, not, there's not a lot of uh, cool stuff that happens. I mean, this church has the most uncool pastor on the planet. I, I mean, there's nothing cool about what I got going on here, you know. But I can tell you this. We... We are not the biggest church in town, but I do believe with all my heart we're striving to have the biggest heart in town and love for you to come hang out with us. You know, today we, we kind of make a choice in our life. Every Christmas I think we have this. What am I going to do with Jesus this Christmas? And, and I get it, man, if, listen, if church isn't your deal and, and you're coming today, you're making mom happy or grandma happy or whatever the deal is for why you're here, the, I think we still all have that thing, which is, okay, we get, I mean, even a world that, that would never celebrate the birth of Christ still celebrates Christmas. And this thought of, okay, at some point we, we have to have a choice in what we do, because some 2,000 years ago, the, the most glorious event in human history occurred. And I think about that, and I recognize that we're not sure of the exact date, but we know that Constantine came along and said, wait a minute, this, we're gonna do this on December 25. And in the middle of all that, it was a divine intrusion into history, into flesh and blood and soil and water and just the makeup of humankind. And God looked at us and you can read this in the tiny book of Titus we read, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, to all people. This is why I love the Christmas story Anissa is going to read to us right now. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in, Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all of these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the beauty of the Christmas story. As a kid, I remember my dad would gather us around and uh, usually had the fire in the fireplace and we were trying to create a Courier Knives kind of deal and dad was trying to read it and my sisters and I, we just, we, we couldn't make it through one more verse of the Christmas story because there was stuff there to unwrap, you know what I mean? And it's like you're trying so hard to create this wonderful moment, but your kids are like, yeah, I don't care, I just need gifts, you know what I'm talking about? And, I know, your families have got it all together, I get it, and there's no drama already in your families, and if you're saying that, I know you're lying, because, man, I know drama, I have six daughters, yeah, six daughters, guys, just let that sink in for a minute, six daughters, that's a lot of drama and a lot of just stuff I don't want to talk about. But Christmas itself truly is grace personified in the presence of Jesus the Christ. The thing I love about this, the thing of Jesus is that he doesn't come with a box of rules to follow. He, he comes with an action he's already taken so that we might be the recipient of grace. I told our folks last week that if you picture a continuum, you know, over here, you got creation. You know, you got Adam and Eve, and they're all here. You know, they're doing their thing, and the Bible tells us that, okay, God said, okay, you, this is yours. You get to do the whole thing, man. You're in charge, but don't do anything with that apple, right? So they stepped a little further on the continuum, grabbed the tree, ate it. Sin enters the world through them all the way through us. Then it kind of goes over to the rest of the continuum, and Jesus comes, and it's Christmas, and he's born in a manger. And some of y'all are like Ricky Bobby. He prefers his Jesus in the manger, you know, the baby Jesus. And then you take another step over here, and Jesus, about 12, goes to the temple, and he starts teaching, and he blows their mind. You go over here, and Jesus gives his life for us, and he sheds his blood and has a broken body so that we could have the forgiveness of selfishness and sin. And then they bury Jesus, and three days later, he rises from the dead and then he goes to heaven to create a home for all who believe. So now that's kind of the whole Christmas story in one short continuum. But I, th I think to try to put it together in the best possible way, I wrote a few of these notes down and I thought to myself, this is, this, this is the best way I know how to communicate the grace found in Christmas, that Jesus arrived on a planet not because we had it all together, but simply because we didn't. Like, if you could just see my house right now, it's like a bomb went off. I mean, we've had three different things happen in our home this week, and then last night, it's like all of Jenny's side of the family was coming in, and they're just weird, man. And, uh, 
and, and when they're sweet folks, it's just like, y'all are weird, you know? None of y'all have that in your in-laws, do you? I mean, everything, you get along so well, and it's the, I know you're lying if you're sitting there, you're getting, you just wait till tomorrow happens, yeah. I love this one. Jesus wasn't born into a world where everyone got along perfectly. Some of the worst flight fights on the planet happen with your kids from home to church. Shut up, we're gonna worship Jesus whether you like it or not. Yeah, I know. I like this. Jesus didn't come for us because we were exceptionally well organized and on budget. Yeah, I know. I know. Y'all ever seen the, uh, the, the movie Four Christmases? Y'all ever seen that movie? Yeah, just don't watch it with the kids, man. But, if, but there's this one scene in it, and um, it's when they go to church. And this church is like a rock and roll church, you know? And folks are just having at it, man, you know? They're like swinging from the chandeliers and running down the aisles, it's crazy. And Dwight Yoakam, the country guy, plays the preacher. And his name is Preacher Phil, right? And so it, it's like they crank it up like you were introducing Garth Brooks into a stadium. And it goes, here comes Pastor Phil. And I mean, they go nuts, you know, and the band's going crazy, the lights are going everywhere. And when we watch that with my, uh, with my mother-in-law, she said, oh my. So Hector had one song scheduled for today that was a little, it was, it was pretty cranked up, heavy on the electric guitar. And I thought to myself, I love Charlotte, but the price I'm gonna pay if we sing that song is not worth it. So I called Hector and said, bro, scratch that one. It's not worth it for me. It's amazing the, the emphasis my mother-in-law has on our song selection, isn't it? Yeah, I bet it happens in your house too. No, we always listen to Jesus music. Really? I don't. I mean, I, I love sports talk radio. And if I could ever get like that classic 97, anyway, I mean, keep moving on. Jesus didn't come into a world where families were perfectly behaved. Is that not one amen on that one? I mean, seriously, I like this one. Jesus didn't arrive on earth because spouses got along beautifully and never argued. I noticed nobody said anything about that one. I saw a few women doing this though. Yeah. It wasn't that funny, man, really just, but I appreciate the laugh, that's good. Jesus didn't move into a world where people worshiped without ever doubting. He came into a world that desperately needed grace. And if you're like me and the expectation you have for Christmas really isn't ever met, that your, your imperfect Christmas is actually a front row seat to grace. And that's if you choose that. We, you know, we talked a minute ago. You, we know this story. We know it by heart. We've heard it sung in Hobby Lobby. We've heard it sung in Chick-fil-A. We have even heard it in Walmart and Macy's. You, if you've never been to Bass Pro Shop, they are telling you the story of Christmas to their music. We know it. We get it. Bethlehem, no room in the end. Maybe your kid was that kid that dressed up in like a sheet and a pillow and they wrapped around his head and he only had one line. There is no room in the end. Maybe that was your kid. Like, we get it, the whole story, right? I mean, you got moo cows. Did y'all know there's a church in South Florida a few years ago, and they used a live camel in their Christmas program? Let me stop and say, nothing good happens when you put a live camel in a church. And this camel was coming down, what this would be the aisle, right? And about, Brian, raise your hand. There's about, about Brian Sutherland right there. It came right by where Brian was, and literally, the camel just freaked out and fell over on the people. <laughs> Is that not funny? I mean, seriously, when I watch this, you can see it on YouTube, but it is awesome. Let me tell you the best part of the story. The camel died on those people. 
on. It's, you gotta laugh at stuff like that. I mean, it's like the, uh, they told the whole world, don't use live animals in the church. But that's funny. Jesus. At least one kid liked it. We do know the story. I mean, couldn't God have timed this baby's birth differently? I mean, why did we have to have Jesus? Why did he have to be born in a city where we have a Roman census going on and there's like a bazillion people in Bethlehem? I mean, couldn't God have timed this out a little bit better? I mean, when I think about that, I think to myself, wait a minute, in the, in the midst of all this, why? What? How did this happen? I mean, think about it. If the whole family in the lineage of David is having to go to Bethlehem because this is the city of David, and that's where they go to be counted by the Roman government so that the Roman government could continue to rule. And so surely there were other members of Joseph and Mary's families they could have hung out with. But no, they go to the Hampton Inn there in Bethlehem, and there's no room. And in the middle of the no room, doesn't it strike you odd that if God is in control of all this, how does he wind up outside? How is it that, that Jesus and the mom and the dad and Mary and Joseph, how does the Virgin Mary and her soon-to-be husband and her baby she's carrying, how is it that she had to ride on a donkey for all those days in her third trimester? Come on. When my wife was in that last stretch, she... She rode me all day long, just beating a fool out of me. By the way, you know those things where they say to husbands, you know, if your wife get the tennis ball and rub her back, they're lying, guys. Don't do that. Seriously, I did that with my wife, and I thought she was going to beat me up. When her epidural took effect, I wanted one. So why did we have this? How in the world did God's son wind up on the outside? I mean, I, I think that's kind of a fascinating question, but it is good to be together on Christmas Eve to try to figure out what is the story of Jesus? Because w when we find this, I, I had all kinds of questions as a kid. Like, why do you go get, knowing a baby's gonna be born, why does God send all the angels out to the fields in Bethlehem and ask stinky shepherds who know nothing about giving birth to a baby other than a calf? And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, they know, how, they, they know how that little sheep is going to be born, but wouldn't it have been easier to like show up and the angels get to a doula or like to a nurse? I mean, wouldn't that make more sense? I mean, I don't, y'all have never thought about this? I mean, it just bugged me for years. Like, come on, Lord, what is the deal here? And then I keep thinking, well, it was because he was totally outside. Have you ever walked into a room and you felt like, wait a minute, I am so out of place here? Like some of y'all feel that way right now. Like, but here's the good news. You know, you've always said, if I went back to church, you know, the roof would fall in. It's intact. You made it. Good job. But I walk into some rooms and I think, I don't belong here. Like if I go to a pastor kind of thing where all the pastors get together, man, I just don't dig those guys. And when I walk in, I just feel like, man, I don't fit here. I don't bling, belong with those dudes. I, I fit in better down at the Waffle House. And I look at all this and I think, Lord, how did this all happen? Like how on earth does this happen? The Lord God said all of this. And when we're coordinating angels and shepherds and kings, how does he wind up outside of the inn? I'm not sure who was running the inn, but I know if it was somebody like Anissa who, who works in our path project and leads it and does this great job, I think she would have tried to make room. 
She might have given her room up. When I think about the folks around here that helped make Christmas happen for all those families, when I think of the people who gave generously to help many families out with tragic tragic stories. When I think about all the people who serve trying to help in these 12 public schools with kids, I, I think to myself, surely we'd try to make room for Jesus, wouldn't we? I mean, we, we'd scooch over. We'd try to, you can sleep on our floor. It'll be better than that. I think about Louis and Phyllis Grizzle who are, who are well into their 80s and they're still delivering brownies to folks who just moved into to Sugar Hill. And I think, man, surely they would have found a way. I wonder if you've ever had somebody that took a shot on you and opened up their door and let you in. I wonder if there's ever been anybody that said, you know what, I know you've been on the road, and I, I, know, I know you don't smell good, I know you're tired, I know, I know you're weary, I know you're hungry, I, I know you're pregnant, but come on in. Surely there had to be somebody who would do that, but I believe, I truly believe with all my heart, the Lord God allowed this to happen outside so that we could intentionally invite him inside our heart. I mean, it's hard to come inside unless you've been outside. And the thing that I think is most beautiful about Jesus as he came as a baby was he was saying to all the world, including the shepherds, not just the kings. It, it included a, a young woman that wasn't famous, who had no relations with any man, and he picked her. And Joseph, being a normal dude, just a carpenter kind of dude, Jesus didn't come as royalty. He came as a baby in a stable, in a barn. But as we talked about last week, when he comes again, he's coming in royalty. I want to be ready for him. That's why the question remains, what are we going to do with Jesus? But I have learned it's not easy to invite people into your life. It's not easy to invite them into your home. And as I think about it, I might be more like the innkeeper than I think. And it might be that we're too hard on that guy. I mean, there were, there were all kinds of ways it could have happened. I mean, maybe Mary and Joseph took their time on the way in and they took a couple stops at the Starbucks on the way to hit the restroom. And, or maybe they drove through Wendy's and got a double cheeseburger and they're on the way and they're just running late and they missed the window and, and the end was done. I don't know all those stories, but I do know this. We only know they ended, they ended up outside. They wound up outside. The savior of the world wound up outside. And I think to myself, that's us. Far too often we simply leave Jesus outside of our life. And by the way, if, 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 if you don't come to church regularly, I don't wanna put any guilt on you. As a matter of fact, I wanna take it from you. Listen, coming to church isn't the same as letting Jesus in from the outside. Coming to church doesn't make you a great Christian. It doesn't make you a super Christian. It doesn't make you a Christian. Coming to church is something that you do because you simply invited that same Jesus to come into our life. There's a desire to do that, it, it's, not, it's not drudgery. So I would say to you, man, please don't leave here thinking, man, that dude's guilting me into giving, he's guilting me into coming. Take all that off, I promise you, that's not my deal. Because remember, I really truly believe when we get Jesus in the right priority of our life, so many wonderful things happen. And, and, and I think that there's a time where we have to look at Jesus and ask ourselves, what are we gonna do with him? I mean, there's no Christmas with him. I mean, there's no presents with him. There's no songs without him. December 25 is just another date on the calendar, except when he came, he split time in half. 
And it just so happened that the person in Jesus that split time in half is also the one that is everything from beginning to end, from the alpha to the omega. And I have had seasons in my life where I knew that I knew that I knew that the only place I could find comfort, the only place I could find hope wasn't in the church. Often I found that the church were filled with a lot of folks that I didn't want to hang out with because they were just so judgmental on my life. But you know what I found? I didn't necessarily need anybody's rules. I just needed Jesus. I just needed the Lord God who left heaven and came to a manger who grew into a man who gave his life that I might have life and he came up out of a grave so that I could have heaven. When I look at all that, I try to think to myself, there's no way you can wrap your head around that. I get it. But it doesn't change the truth that both the Bible and history says this is what happened and now it is what am I going to do with him? And I suppose when I think back, we're all just simply profoundly God's children called to open and welcome folks in need, both physically and spiritually. In in short, what are we to do? We open up the doors and the windows of the inn within our heart and say, Jesus, come in. I I don't understand everything about it, but I I do know this. Man, if, if all that's true, that continuum that Jesus came. He was here from the beginning and he'll be here at the end and he will be where there is no end. If all that is true, I'm not gonna take a chance of missing it. If we were doing a funeral or memorial service right now, I'd give you this words. I'd be looking down at a casket and I'd say to the family, that's not your dad. That's not your mom, that's not your sister. That's a box. Because the promise of Jesus is when you trust him to be absent from that body is to be present with the Lord and your loved ones. I've done four funerals this week. I've told them all the same story. I'll promise you, if they could talk to you right now, here's what they'd say. Whatever you do, don't miss heaven. This is the gift of Christmas. Let's pray. Lord, we are keenly aware that you have called us and invited us into your throne room so that we could take you and place you on the throne of our heart this Christmas Eve. God, we are grateful that when we trust you and we ask you to step into our life, that you take our darkness and you turn it to light. You take our death and you turn it into life. Lord, I'm grateful that today I can tangibly feel the Christ child in my midst. I can almost imagine the small and short breaths that that little warm face, that baby, as I draw him closer into my life. So today, Lord, let us answer the question, what am I going to do with Jesus today? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I, I would simply say to you that There's not a single perfect person on the planet. Everybody's everybody's messed up. I'm, I'm like the prince of messing up. But God, I'm grateful that you loved us first. That there was nothing we could do to earn heaven. There was nothing we could do to make you love us. 
Lord, what we've learned over and over again is that no matter what we do, you love us. So God, because you loved us first, I believe there are many folks here today who'd say, Chuck, I, I'm not going to take a chance with my life. I want it to be intentional. I want it to be purposeful. I don't need rules. I, I just need a Savior. And I believe Jesus is that Savior. So let this prayer be your prayer today. Speak it quietly into your heart. If you want to say it out loud, say it out loud. If you want to stand, you want to sit. It's just kind of a talk between you and God. And maybe you say, I've never done that before. Well, I promise you, he can't wait to hear from you. And let your prayer be, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for dying. Thank you for raising from the dead. Would you clean me up and take my selfishness and my sin, my bad choices, and would you forgive them? Would you come sit on the, the priority of my heart, give me direction and clarity? I want to turn my life, I want to live for you. Even if I don't know what that means or how to do it, I want to be more like you and a little less like me. With heads bowed, with eyes closed, if that's your prayer today, just quietly just slip your hand up. I want to see you and I can pray for you. Just all around this room. Just let me know. Yeah, amen, amen, amen. Yeah, amen. Folks all over the place. God, I'm grateful. Folks heard your word and it didn't return void. It accomplished every purpose you had for it. So Lord, as we celebrate you through the rest of this weekend and week, I pray we'd bring you from the outside in our life. And then I pray we would go to the outside and serve people in your name. Be blessed by our praise today. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's worship before you go.